Well, praise the Lord and welcome to our Romans Bible study. This is a teaching that we are doing on uh, the book of Romans. We're in chapter 6. Today will be part 12. Uh, so if you're watching on my Pastor Curtis Facebook page live, know this, that you can go and find all these teachings and everything we do here at Crossway Church in Queen City, Texas on the YouTube channel, which is Curtis Hutchinson 316 and the website, thecrosswaychurch.com. So I encourage you to go avail yourself to everything that we're doing because we are teaching and preaching the Word of God in the context of Jesus Christ and Him crucified. That's the context of all the Bible. And I'm thankful today that I was able to learn that, that the Lord was able to get that to my heart before I lived my whole life not knowing how to live for God, not knowing how to live in victory over the sin nature, over that old thing that had me bound for years. I thank God that I was uh, privileged of the Lord to be placed on the earth for such a time as this when this second reformation is taking place right now. That 500 years ago the Lord illuminated the scriptures to the heart of Martin Luther that we are not justified by works but we're justified by faith in Christ alone and that being in what he did at Calvary. And then 500 years later, about a little over 20 years ago, the Lord began to illuminate the scriptures in Brother Jimmy Swaggart's heart in this second reformation about that we're not only justified by faith alone in Christ, but we're sanctified by faith alone in Christ. Listen, folks, don't worry about who don't like men's names, who don't like men, whoever. Well, I'm not following. Listen, listen they said that about Paul. They said that about Jesus. They said that about John the Baptist. They said that about Martin Luther. Don't worry about what everybody says. Be thankful God is showing you today the truth of the Scriptures, teaching you how to live in victory, not by what you do, but all about faith in what Jesus provided for you at Calvary. That's good stuff. Don't forget that beginning tomorrow night, this entire weekend, uh, Pastors Bob Cornell and Sharon Cornell will be with us uh, tomorrow night at 7 o'clock, Saturday morning at 10 a.m. and Saturday night at 6 p.m. and then of course Sunday morning at 10 a.m. It's all streamed live uh, so be sure and avail yourself to the services live. Uh, today is March the 21st 2019 so you'll know where we were if you're watching this two or three years down the road or if uh, you know uh, if the Lord comes maybe you're watching this and you got left behind you didn't get raptured but now you can learn the truth and you can make it through the tribulation praise be to God <laughs> but don't forget to pray for us in our church uh, building church uh, planting effort in Wichita Falls Texas and uh, we're just thankful to be there the second weekend every month on a Friday nights at 7 and Saturday mornings from 10 to lunch and uh, we're just thankful to be able to be sending expositor study Bibles into the inmates. Every single week we mail six expositor study Bible into the inmates in prison. So I encourage you to pray about all these things. I'm sure the Lord will lead you to help us financially and lead you to pray for us. The address here at Crossway Church is 610 Highway 59, Queen City, Texas 75572. 
or you can donate on the website at thecrosswaychurch.com. Praise God. If this, if this church, if the teaching and preaching is benefiting you, is, is, is causing you to be encouraged and grow in the, in the things and the way of the Lord in your life, I encourage you to help us do what we do here, to buy the equipment, to do all that God's called us to do, to be a blessing to you and to the world. And, you know, the Bible says you can't outgive God. If you sow sparingly, you will reap sparingly. If you sow abundantly, you'll reap abundantly. So I'm asking for your help today. We're not in any kind of trouble. The blessing's for you when you help. Praise God. Hallelujah. So here we are in Romans chapter 6. And today we will be in verse 9. Uh, and, and let me say this, a couple things before we dig in again to Romans chapter 6. Without And, and, and listen, I know a lot of people don't like this. A lot of people will grow angry with this, but it is the fact. Unless we know and understand Romans chapter 6, we have never and can never be discipled. Jesus taught discipleship was following him with a daily cross. Disciples, the word disciple means learner. And he said, you cannot be my disciple. That means you cannot learn of him unless you deny yourself, take up your cross daily and follow him. Your cross, my friend, is not your hardships. You better know what the cross is in your hardships. Your hardships are not your cross. The cross is what Jesus did for you at Calvary and your faith in that. And the only way that your denial of anything in your life is legitimate with God if your denial is what has allowed you to take up faith in the cross in His death for you and to follow Him. Not, not denying yourself of sugar in your tea and, and, and a pillow on your bed and, and or sleeping on the hard floor, denying yourself of a comfortable bed. That's all what you're doing. That's all your works. The only way that God sees you're denying yourself of anything is legitimate is if what you're denying yourself of has allowed you to maintain your faith in what He did for you at Calvary. You need to know that. It's the only way you can follow Him. It's the only way you can come after Him. It's the only way He taught you can be my disciple, He said. Listen, you can't be His disciple unless you take your cross up. Get that, Luke chapter 14. And that means you can't learn of Him unless your faith is in the cross because faith in the cross is not just what got you in the kingdom. It's what now allows you to learn. Through that avenue alone can we learn. And, and listen, the Lord is showing this so plainly to the church today that the, that the, 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 the witchcraft in the church, the, the unbelief in the church uh, has to take another step to refute this. They have to say, that there's more that God is saying to us than what's written in the Word because they can't refute the Word, but they don't want to just believe the Word. Praise God. But I'm just going to stick with the Word. When Jesus showed up, He didn't say that there will always be more than, than what's written. He just kept saying, it is written. Praise God. So, at Romans chapter 6, without understanding what's written in Romans chapter 6, you'll never be discipled your entire life. Please don't throw your entire Christian life away not knowing how to be discipled. And I am talking about 90-something percent of the church right now. And I know this kind of talk makes people mad, but why not rather say, okay, then Lord, teach me how to be discipled so I don't have to waste another day. For number one, it's because we don't like having to admit that we have wasted many days, weeks, months, and years 
uh, as a Christian because we've not known how to be discipled. And listen, if I don't know how to be discipled, I can't be a part in the discipleship of anyone else's life. And that's my calling. That's every Christian's calling is to make disciples of all nations. Think about what I'm saying. That's not just talking about getting people saved. That's when we become a disciple. But listen, teaching them how to be discipled, how to be a disciple takes the message of the cross in every sermon that you preach. And I know preachers don't like that, but the preachers who don't like it are still a part of the problem and they're and they are sowing to an apostate church. There can be 10,000 sermons, but the message in every sermon must point to Calvary. Every single one of them or that sermonette was without power. You need to understand that, preacher. You're a little, even using God's word without pointing to Calvary, without pointing the people to Calvary, we're holding God's word in an unrighteous context, an unrighteous avenue through which whatever it is, we're telling them God's word will work for them. If it's not pointing them to Calvary, then there will be no liberty and freedom and discipleship. We need to know that. The second thing I want to bring up today is that in Romans chapter 6, the word sin is used 16 times. One of those 16 times in verse 15, it's used as a verb where it literally speaks of committing an act of sin. Committing sin. The other 15 times in Romans chapter 6, it's used as a noun referring to the sin nature. And let me let me tell you something. If you're listening to men and, and preachers and teachers that say the Christian doesn't have a sin nature at all, it doesn't exist after you're born again, such as preachers like John MacArthur, you need to run from them. They don't understand Romans chapter 6. I don't care that they've had ministry for 50 years. They've got a Bible in their name. They've got commentaries and books. It makes no difference. We've been deceived by men whose names have been out there. Remember we always revert back to uh, Revelation chapter 3, what Jesus told John to write the church in Sardis. He said, you've got a name that you're alive. The community, the region, maybe the world thinks, man, that's a church alive and it's worth the drive. But let me tell you something. Jesus said, but you're dead. You've got a name that you're alive. Oh, you're such an alive church, but you're dead because they'd forgotten how they heard and received. that All they had going for them, you can read this in Revelation chapter 3, all they had going for them in the eyes of God is that which had remained. That means they'd never turned away from what actually saved them. They would never refute that faith in the blood, but they were no longer living by that faith. Now their, their faith was in like the church today, the purpose driven, the government of twelve, the words I speak, the walk of Emmaus, the, the shadow hours of prayer, all these things brought into the church, the accountability program where if you're in trouble with sin, call your brother. And there's nothing wrong with that unless that's what you're trusting in. And believe me, that's what those programs cost, cost us to do, to trust in them. If, if Listen, if we weren't trusting in them, they wouldn't exist. They don't point you to Calvary. The Word of God points you to Calvary. Not some program, not some event. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. So, those are the two things I wanted to share that if you don't know what Romans 6 teaches and you don't understand it, you can't be discipled. You've never been discipled. If you don't know you've got a sin nature, if you don't know what makes it dormant, if you don't know how you actually were placed into Christ, if you don't know these things that Romans 6 clearly teaches, a kindergartner could understand. 
and you don't know that there's a sin nature, you don't know that uh, there's a different usage of the word sin in Romans chapter 6. Listen, folks that don't know they still have a sin nature even though they've been unplugged from it and their relationship with it has changed and it remains dormant as long as their faith is in the cross. If they don't know these things, they're going to miss out on an understanding of quite a bit in the New Testament. And they're going to now see scriptures in a different light that is not the light the Holy Spirit reveals to us being that of truth. Praise God. So let's look at this today in verse 9 of Romans chapter 6. Again, this is part 12 here in Romans chapter 6, verse 9. Knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dies no more, death has no more dominion over him. So let me ask this question today to our viewers uh, Did death ever have dominion over Jesus? Absolutely. But not because He was a sinner. Death has dominion over us when we're lost because we're sinners. The reason death had dominion over Him is because He came to pay the wage, the wages for sin being what? Death. The dominion of death, the dominion of sin that had us dead in our sins is what he took upon himself having to die to pay the price for our sins. He did not become a sinner. He took our sin upon him. Listen, when people start saying Jesus became a sinner, he took on the sin nature of Satan and had to go to hell as our punishment, that is not in your Bible. And when people try to use certain scriptures to make it sound like that, It does not say that and it does not mean that. Jesus never became a sinner although he took all of our sin upon him. Remember, Jesus was always fully God and fully man. There was never a time where he was not fully God and fully man. Therefore, always being fully God, possessing the Godhead bodily, the Bible says, he could never become a sinner. God can't sin. Now, Jesus Christ, the man, had a choice. He had to choose to be led of the Spirit and serve God. He didn't have a sin nature though, so sin never dominated his life. He never sinned in word, thought, or deed. He only took our sin upon him that he might die the death he didn't deserve to die, but that we deserve to die. The dominion of sin, our sin, the dominion of sin, the wages of sin being death, He took upon Himself and did that for you and me. As many times as we hear this, we should be more excited every time we hear it. The church that grows weary of hearing this, and and, and listen, is, is the church that is really moving toward an apostate or already their place. If that's not what excites you, if that's not what pleases your heart and excites your heart and stirs your heart to the joy, to have the joy of the Lord that God became a man and died in your place, if that's old hat, if that's old religion, if that's what you don't really think you need anymore, then you have fallen into the same place the Israelites fell into just 50 days after God brought them out of Egypt. Been in slavery for years. God brought us, and this wasn't a type of initial salvation. This was a type of the people of God already being a people of God, and they were in bondage. We're talking about now Him bringing you out of your bondage as a Christian, as a child of God. You've been trapped in the slavery of sin all these years. You just couldn't figure out how to stop it. You bought this book. You've bought that book. You've tried everything but the blood of Jesus. 
Jesus, the, the devil trying to make you think the blood was only to get you in, now you've got to work out your own salvation. And he twists that scripture. He'll never tell you that it's God working in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. And when, when the Bible says of his good pleasure, that means you've got to have faith in the right thing that pleases God so that he can work in you both to do or to will and to do of his good pleasure. And that's what his son did at Calvary. Hallelujah. That's good news. But when 50 days after God brought him out, not by the miracles, but by the blood, that he told him to put on the doorpost. Not only did it kill every firstborn of all Egypt, but it also brought them out. It, it, it made the surrender, it made the enemy so defeated that he had to let them go. And he did. But check this out. Fifty days after they were delivered and walked out, fifty days. They built a golden calf. And they began to say, Come and we'll have a feast unto the Lord through this golden calf. Every fad that exists today is a golden calf outside of simple, pure, exclusive faith in the cross is a fad. It's a farce. It's, it's a distraction. It's a false way. You can't add to what Jesus said was finished. You need to know that. God don't need help from these programs. All he did was in Christ at Calvary. And that's all he expects you to look at and to keep your faith in. Think about that. And listen, Moses comes down the mountain and he walks up and, and he sees all this and he goes up and he cries this cry. He says... Who's on the Lord's side? Come out from among them. I want you to know, not everybody came out. Not everybody's going to come out today. As long as they're deceived to that point to think that whatever that program or that activity is, is really benefiting them. Although it's not one bit, God's not in it, He's not working in it, He only works in truth. Psalms 33 and 4 and Romans 8 and 2, He only works in truth. The Bible tells us that truth is a man named Jesus and what allows that truth to be worked into our lives initially and daily is our faith in what He did at Calvary. When you move away from that, my friend, you've fallen from grace and grace is God at work. Therefore, you've, you've brought yourself to a place, Galatians 5, Five, one through four, that Christ can no longer profit you, no longer affect you. I'm telling you what the Bible says. I'm not making things up. I want you to walk in a place where you can have the benefits of Christ, be affected by Christ, that he might be the mediator of the new covenant pouring in the benefits of his death into your life so you could be delivered from the golden calves that have distracted the church, the whole church age. First of all, the church for 1,500 years mainly didn't even have a Bible as it became nothing but a religious feast for men and control in the Roman Catholic Church. But then Martin Luther, God illuminated the Scriptures to him and he began to teach 
were justified by faith. And today, 500 years after that, now 1,500 years of pretty much dark ages, and then 500 years up to now, that's the 2,000 years, my friend. You're living in the most precious time in human history right now where you've not only heard that the church was saved and redeemed and justified only by the blood of Jesus, not works by which you do, but now also that you're able to live in the victory over sin where it no longer dominates your life through faith in the blood alone. And and God is pouring the truth, wonderful truths of His Word into that remnant that fear Him today. He says this in Psalms 25, 14, that the secret of the Lord is with them that fear Him and He will show them His covenant. Think about that. It's not everybody and and those of you who know the message of the cross, He's been able to deliver you from the the Egypts, the, 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 the bondages, the slavery, not just of tobacco and drugs and alcohol and pornography, but he's delivering you from religion, the denominational religions of men. I mean, it is slavery. And although we can declare we're God's people, blah, 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 until we begin to walk out this freedom, there's no expression. It's not about what you say, my friend. It's about the expression that you live. Let me share something with you today that we'll find in this sixth chapter. And I know we're kind of hung up here for a minute, but I want to I want to share this with you today. In this sixth chapter, we'll see it later on in this sixth chapter. But I want to go ahead and share it with you. This sixth chapter of Romans teaches that holiness is only a product of the Christian serving righteousness, and the only avenue, the exclusive avenue of serving righteousness, is when our faith is in that object that actually made us a servant of righteousness. That's the cross of Christ, that form of doctrine that freed you from sin, Romans 6, 17, and 18. That form of doctrine that freed you from sin made you a servant of righteousness. And as long, the Bible here teaches in Romans 6, that as long as we yield ourselves to that truth to serve obedience under righteousness, Christ's obedience, faith in His obedience unto death, then sin won't dominate us and our fruit is unto holiness. But now think about this. This is very important. Hebrews 12 and 10 says that God chastens those that are His. He chastens those that are His. That means He disciplines those that are His. That means He allows them or or causes them to go through things. And the purpose of it, it tells us there in Hebrews 12 and 10, is to bring us back to the place where we're partaking again of His holiness. So think about this. If we're not partaking of His holiness, it's because we're not serving righteousness. And if we're not serving righteousness, righteousness, it's because our faith is not exclusively in the cross. So how much of the church today refuses or doesn't know either one to come back to exclusive faith in the cross? They're being chastened of the Lord. If they really belong to Him, if they're really the children of God, they're being chastened of the Lord. So how much of the church today is being chastened and don't even know it? They're rebuking the devil and it's God doing the chastening. I wanted to throw that in. Think about that. 
Think about that. I've been there. I'm not throwing out false and ugly judgments. Wherever you find a preacher that makes a comment, do we really want that message, talking about the message of the cross, to come into our town? He, he cannot bear the fruit of holiness if he's rejecting the message of the cross. Yes, he believes in it for salvation, but he does not believe in it that that's all your faith has to be in for sanctification, for living for God, for ministry, to be the ministry of the Holy Spirit. He doesn't believe in that. If he asks the question, do we really want that message to come into our town? What he's really saying, if you could see inside of his heart, he's saying, do we really want that man's message? to come? It ain't man's message... God Himself gave this message to the Apostle Paul and it was such a revelation, not an illumination. It was a revelation to Paul. It's an illumination to us, God's Word that He gave Paul being illuminated to us. But it was such a revelation. Think about this. It was such a revelation that God had to give him a thorn in his flesh. What a revelation. Think about that. I want you to think about that. That's just another confirmation that God did give the Apostle Paul the revelation of what really took place at Calvary. That it's more than getting you saved and in the kingdom, but it's the cross of Christ. It affects us every day for we can't even go after Jesus. We can't follow Him unless our faith is in the cross. And the preacher or the saint, whoever, that's a born-again Christian who makes the comment, do we want that message to come into our town? Even if it's done in ignorance, there is no holy fruit being partaken of. They have to make the, another way up to partake. And it's obvious right here in this chapter and in other places that holiness is not the length of your hair or the clothes you wear. Holiness is the product of the righteousness of Christ. His obedience unto death. Glory to God. I may be almost 58 years old and I don't care how many years I threw away. God is now allowing me to redeem the time. Hallelujah. I'm not mad and angry. I've already gotten over all that, all the years I wasted and, and all because they were wasted. Unless somebody was getting saved and brought into the kingdom, all those years of ministry was waste. What part of, of victory, what part of God was in that? And I want you to think about something. All the years that you didn't know the way of sanctification, the only thing that you have to look back that was fruitful was when you told somebody about Jesus and they got saved. Because outside of that, it's telling them how to live saved. And if we didn't know, we're talking about wasted years, my friend. We're talking about wasted years. We're talking about men and women who've lived 80, 90 years as Christians and never knew what God is pouring into the church today. Not because we're better than somebody, but because God loves us and God is as just like he did Martin Luther. He found somebody that no matter uh, what people would say about him or do to him, despite what they would say and do, he believed what the Spirit of God gave him. The same way today, God began to pour this truth into Brother Swagger and no matter what happened to him, no matter what he had to go through, no matter what people say and do to him or about him. Listen, thousands today are walking in victory because God has 
illuminated the scriptures to us again. Churches are popping up all over this country and the nations today, all over the world that don't need a PhD, don't need a bachelor's, don't need a master's. They don't need all that. All they need is the Holy Ghost and the truth of the gospel. Hallelujah. And when you've got that, what else do you need? In God's eyes, he says in his word that we're complete in Christ. That what Christ did at Calvary is not only finished, but it's what completes us. It's what allows us to walk in completion. But I want you to think about this. This scripture that we're dealing with today or trying to get to, I know I've chased a rabbit trail, but it's a good one. Boy, it was a good one today, praise God. But the Bible says here, knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dies no more, death has no more dominion over him. Jesus died once, listen, because it's appointed Listen now, it's appointed to all men to die once. Jesus died a death. He had to die. Now think about that. And uh, and I and I want you to I want you to hear this, and I'm gonna give it to you. Hebrews 9:27 says, As it is appointed unto men, was Jesus a man? Yes, he was. And the dominion of the wages of sin, the dominion of death was upon him. Our death was upon him. So him being our representative man, the last Adam, come to represent all of humanity, humanity, and he did that at Calvary. Hallelujah. Listen, as it is appointed unto men once to die, after this the judgment. That's all men. Jesus came to die with the commandment to die. He came and humbled himself and obediently even unto death on the cross finished the work of the Father for you and me. It's appointed unto men once to die. And he died once knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dies no more. Death has no more dominion over him. And here comes really the greatest news that because we're believers in Christ, meaning our faith is in the cross alone, that's when we were immersed into him. And now that's why Jesus could tell us before he ever went to the cross, he who believes on me will never die. Oh, this old body's going to lay down, but thank God for that. We're getting a new one, and it will never die. See, this is what God wanted from the beginning. A world full of, an earth full of people that had dominion over the earth that, that would uh, represent Him, that would glorify Him, clothed in His glory. And let me tell you something. When God, through our faith in Christ and His work, His righteous work at Calvary, our faith in that God clothed us in His righteousness. And I want you to know the righteousness of God is, 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 is attached to His glory. Because Jesus is our Lord of righteousness and He is the brightness of God's glory, the very express image of His person. So while you keep your faith in Christ and Him crucified and you're delivered from all the golden calves that pull on you today and you come out from among them, you're going to experience the truths of God's Word in your own life. You're not going to go to bed every night in, in doubt and unbelief. And you, you can be delivered from being sincerely wrong. Many people are sincere about what they're doing, but they're sincerely wrong. And let me tell you something as I close today. All those years and all that false doctrine we were in, there was always a check because I am a child of God in my spirit that there's something that's just not right about all of this. 
There's something inside of me that never would just let me give myself completely to all of that false doctrine because I'm a child of God. So what I'm saying is all those who are wrapped up in false doctrine today, the Holy Spirit cannot give you assurance in that. He, can, he will not assure you while you're in a boatload of false doctrine and heresy. He won't do it because all that's flesh. And let me tell you something, my friend. When you hear the truth and you allow Him to bring you out through the truth, which is faith in the blood alone, and you're willing to let go and let Him bring you out, you're going to experience an assurance and a peace that you've only read about in the Bible. And He's waiting to push it. He's waiting to usher all that right into your heart and cause you to be a child of His who experiences the victory of the cross. And it can happen today if you'll just say, Lord, forgive me for trusting in all these things. I'm coming back to Calvary. I'm coming back to the place where I find you at work in my life. It's called grace through faith. Hallelujah. We're out of time. Don't forget the Cornells will be here this weekend. This is the weekend of the 22nd through the 24th of March 2019. Begin tomorrow night at 7 o'clock. Hope to see you here if you live in the region. If not, we'll be streaming live on the YouTube channel, Curtis Hutchinson 316, the website, thecrosswaychurch.com, and my Pastor Curtis Facebook page. God bless you. We love you.